This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, giant rocks from space versus nukes. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a discussion about movies that were basically the same and came out at the same time and went toe-to-toe. That's right, it's the first in a new series, Who Wore It Better? And this week we're going to be focusing on 19... I think it's 98... 1998's Deep Impact versus Armageddon two movies we'll just call them movies uh, about the 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 two movies about the triumph of the human spirit over giant rocks and CG effects uh yeah it's coming folks there's no avoiding it we're gonna have to send somebody to stop it and it's not gonna matter it's still gonna come and it's still gonna wreak havoc and that's this podcast um, as always, uh, you can catch up with us in our earlier episodes, uh, by going, uh, as always, please rate the podcast on your podcast apps to help drive, uh, attention to us and share us on your social feeds. And you can catch up with previous episodes of the podcast by going to our website. That's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. There you can find links to all our previous episodes and you can also find links to our social feeds. You can find us on Twitter at MagHuge. You can find us on Facebook. We are the Magnificently Huge Podcast. We have an Instagram. And you can always email us magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com Alright everybody, strap into your space shuttles and prepare to be hurled into a giant rock. It's time for Deep Impact versus Armageddon. Go! Hey everybody, it's the Magnificent the Huge Podcast. Woo! The podcast My name is Brian. that you love to listen to when you're listening to this podcast. That's true. It's true. Uh, it's the only podcast where we talk over each other incessantly and we don't care. Yeah. Yes, all the other podcasts, somebody else is talking over somebody else. Incessantly. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking exactly. about. <laughs> what? Uh, we're idiots. Uh, how is everybody today? <laughs> this, this is Chris. Pretty good. Pretty good. This, this is Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, who's... It's, Who's that? This is Eric. Oh God, this it's is Brian. so horrible. We've been doing this two years. We can't figure out the introductions. Uh, no, uh, I, I tried to start him. Y'all just walked right on by. Uh, you want to start again? Shall we start again? Uh, no, it's fine. Okay. Let's just do this. Okay. How's everybody today? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Great. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is what people come to the show for. They want to hear how we're doing today. Yeah, that's yes. that's that is the the topic of this week's show. How are we doing today? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> God, we need an editor. We need someone to just chop their shit off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shall we just jump in to the fresh shit? This shit is fresh. Okay, who's got some fresh shit? Uh, Chris, you got any fresh shit? Uh, yeah, I got some fresh shit. Lay it on me, my brother. Uh, so, you know, a couple months back, I watched that movie Gus by Disney, one of their really shitty live action oh, things. Lord. Uh, I here we go. I did a follow up this week, uh, a Kurt Russell Disney flick of all things from 1975 called The Strongest Man in the World from the director of Gus. So it sort of fits, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but basically, it involves college students in a science lab that stumble into a formula that makes you super strong for a little bit of time. And then, is this the one where they had the uh, the faux court case to find a legal way to cheat? Uh kinda. Basically, they. Okay, I, I remember they, this one. They they try to the dean of the college is 
under the gun. He's going to get fired because he keeps losing money or some shit. So he concocts this plan to sell the formula to a cereal company. And then hilarity ensues. So basically, the rival cereal company uh, gets wind of it. So then it's the company run by Eve Arden, who you know is the principal from Greece, etc. And the other uh, cereal company is run by Phil Silvers. And then they decide to have some sort of weightlifting contest between the local college and the state college. And then... Uh, like you do. Yeah. And then it, uh, the, the plot is irrelevant. Basically, it's uh, just a typical What, what Disney. is relevant? Why was this movie made? <laughs> it's, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, it just, like Kurt Russell shows up in the beginning in the lab and then disappears for like 30 minutes and then shows up again when he accidentally eats the formula and discovers he's got super strength. And then shenanigans ensue there's like a like a bit that's almost like absent-minded professor where he's got to go back to the lab and get the formula to race back to the contest and he pours some into the little jalopy into the car and yeah. then it like becomes this super fast car and then he's using his feet for brakes like the flintstones uh they've just they threw a lot at the wall on this one and uh it, none of it sticks is this is this before or after the computer wore tennis shoes this is with Kurt Russell? after so this was like 75, okay. and so basically I started to get distracted watching it because I'm like doing the math in my head. Then I'm like, well, if this is 75, then in six years' time, he's going to be Snake Plissken. And then my mind just kind of went... And then I got to tell you, though, don't put strength additives in your car. I put HGH in my car once, and <laughs> yeah. its muscle density just went to shit. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's really bad. It's really super, so, super bad. I, I want to hear the story that leads up to Chris chose to watch this and then chose to keep watching it until it <laughs> ended. Uh, well, I figured I didn't have anything to lose this week because you're already making me watch Arma fucking Geddon. And I, <laughs> and so I just thought, what the hell? You know what I mean? So since life is already meaningless and disastrous, <laughs> yeah, basically. you might as well just go all yeah. the way. As I stated earlier, okay. just embrace embracing the sweet cold embrace of death uh but that's really literally here's what's on chris's bucket list folks <laughs> yeah. disney movies from 1975 from the director of gus yeah i think yeah. uh i Did think this i can particular one have fred mcmurray in it no it didn't it was irritating it had uh, There's a distinct lack of Fred McMurray in your Disney diet. <laughs> well, he's I'm shocked. He's more <laughs> 60s Disney. He's not 70s Disney. You know? A distinct lack of Fred McMurray. Can we call the show that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I will say that it, it does have a uh, a cameo from Cesar Romero as one of the bumbling crooks that tries to steal the formula from the lab. So it's an echo of Gus. Instead of Tim Conway, it's Cesar Romero. And that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, so it's just this weird relic of the time. And mm. uh, if you're into 70s Disney live action movies, which I don't know why anybody would be, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is definitely like a unicorn. If you can find it, uh, just get it over with and then uh, move on with your day. The if you're one of the many young people who <laughs> listen to this podcast, I want you to take Disney now and I want you to remove animation yeah. and Marvel and Star Wars and uh, 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 most of the parks. And what you would be left with is, yeah. is what we're talking about right now. Movies yeah. that look like they were shot on 16 millimeter film and, and uh, Kurt Russell. And here's the yeah, other take thing. Take the Disney Channel and make it worse. Yeah. Well, here's the <laughs> other thing, too. It's, like that. Is it... Like, have you noticed that the Disney live action, the sound design, it always sounds like they're talking through two cans attached by string. Is it just me? <laughs> it's like it's... Nope, it's not just you. It's, I don't know what the deal was with their sound department, but it just, it, it always annoys me because you can always tell that it's a Disney movie because the sound is fucking horrible and I don't get it. It's because they were like a second tier studio, and so they didn't get the best equipment yeah, first. I suppose. Well, we did touch on when we did the black hole last time that uh, they tried to rent equipment from ILM, and it was too expensive, so they just went with it. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a solid point. But yeah, strongest man in the world, Kurt Russell, uh, nineteen seventy five. 
And yeah. that's all I got. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Eric, top that shit. Yeah. Okay. Do that. Well, uh, 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 well since we're a podcast, I, I figure people will be into this because I'm big on audio. And I've been listening to a podcast called It Could Happen Here, which is a weekly sort of serial of a guy basically reading his research on how a civil war in America could happen right now. I saw, I saw this in my podcast recommendations, but it didn't pull the trigger. It's amazing and scary. And as somebody who loves disaster movies, this is perfect because I can listen to it and go, oh yeah, we're fucked. You know, it, it, it's, it's all Yay. of the Trumpy stuff that's going on now and how it's going to turn into the death of us all. Yeah. Um, well, the yeah, fact the fact, entertainment for me. The fact that they're already telegraphing that they don't think he's going to give up power willingly if he loses yeah. uh, lends a lot of scariness to that whole concept. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see why it would make you tense. Yeah. I keep thinking, man, why are you giving him ideas? He's yeah, not no the most shit. original thinker. He's probably <laughs> no hearing this and going, oh, yeah, I yeah. think maybe I will. Yeah. Say something, say something better. Like, you know, I, I don't know about that Trump. I think he's going to jump off that bridge. Well, maybe I will <laughs> jump off that bridge. Well, I liken it to but, like people that would watch CSI and other shows of that ilk and then think, yeah, I could totally get away with that. And then they get caught within the first two days. Uh, that's yeah. what I would be hopeful for. Yeah, so, I think yeah. the difference is if on CSI, the uh, murderers went, you know, did, did, did you kill this person? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I totally did. And no one's yeah, going to yeah. do a fucking thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I killed that guy a lot. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Roll credits. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this is more about how the people who like, you know, are Trumpy and it's not even about Trump. It's the people who put him there. These good you know, these factions because that's the actual problem yeah yeah and and the thing is it's not just the right there's also all of the left activists who are going to you know basically be up against them they're going to cause this thing the state is going to impose martial law because we've got all these roving gangs i'm listening to this and just going oh yeah this is awesome <laughs> it, and it all starts with a sort of a uh, second person description of so this is what your life is like now the shelling begins at 3 a.m you know it's <laughs> i mean it's, it almost yeah. harkens back to uh confederate states of america that did you ever see that thing which uh, basically it basically was the the theory that what if the south actually won the civil war and then rolled oh. through from there uh yeah this is kind of like that okay. this is also kind of like that uh 80s miniseries america where which is <laughs> with itself a, a with, lot like red dawn yeah with yeah. a k america with a k and a christopherson yeah yeah it's like that uh well except that it's full of facts it's basically here's probably what's going to happen i don't think this is really going to happen but if it does who boy bring bring some pampers <laughs> you're going to shit yourself uh, um is it as plausible as the plot of armageddon just to telegraph ahead a little bit Unfortunately, it's way more plausible. Okay. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you listen well, to and you go, yeah, I can see that happening. What's more, this is all from a guy who's a journalist who's covered uh, wars and uprisings like this all over the world. And he says, what's happening here is exactly what's, you know, what happened to Darfur in all, all these countries he's covered that I can't remember the names of. Yeah. Well, so gives right it a on. little 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 terrifying twinge um that makes all yeah. of this strife worth it <laughs> and that's the podcast folks i'm just gonna go kill myself now yeah, yeah. Bye. the uh you, the bomb you, star you falling bring the Ooh. bourbon i'll bring the razor blades yeah Jesus. <laughs> once again embracing this sweet hug of death <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand the more up thing um ryerson you might be into this i know you've read all of the bond books too most of um, them yeah yeah, I mean, not the, I, I haven't read the short stories, but you know, I've read the ones, the full length. And for the record, we and, know that Brian has not read Moonraker. He stated that. That's true. Uh, I had the book, but I chose not to read <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Isn't that a short story? Isn't that one of the shorts? No, that's a novel. Oh, that's the novel. The okay. Moonraker was, I, I was given like the Del Rey novelization by my grandfather because I was like sick and he was watching me and... I was a Star Wars nut, and he's like, "Here, kid, read this." This and is I'm space. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. 
So I, uh, on Audible, they have a series now of all of the Ian Fleming Bond novels, but read by actors who are actually good at what they do. Um, I don't know. If you had said read by Sean Connery, I would have been like, there you go. Yeah. Or uh, read, no, by Ad- read by Adam Sandler. That'd be something. Oh, my God. That would be <laughs> horrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. Shake it, not stirred. Ah. That's, that's me. No, no. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, 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 no, no, Mr. Bond. I you to die. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, yeah. yeah, so these are read by um, like a different actor each novel. Uh, the one I'm listening to right now is Thunderball, read by Jason Isaacs, who mm, good is choice. awesome. Was, I mean, he's he's so good and so underrated. I think the girl was standing at a counter arguing with one of the assistants. But I tell you, I don't want senior service. I tell you, I want a cigarette that is so disgusting I shan't want to smoke it. Haven't you got a cigarette that stops people smoking? Look at all that. She waved a hand towards the stacked shelves. Don't tell me that some of those don't taste horrible. The man was used to crazy tourists, and anyway, the Narsavian doesn't get excited. He said, well, ma'am, and turned and languidly looked along the shelves. Bond said sternly to the girl, you can choose between two kinds of cigarette if you want to smoke less. She looked sharply up at him. And who might you be? My name's Bond, James Bond. And the world's authority on giving up smoking. I do it constantly. He was one of the ones that they were considering before they picked Craig. Little fact. So, yeah. He would have been good. I don't think anyone really could be as good as Daniel Craig. But he's he's really... The fun thing about this is you get to hear actors who usually play one character doing different voices and hearing the choices they make. And, like one sentence that you know they'll read and they find the inflection that you go yeah that's how people talk anyone (laughs) else who doesn't know what they're doing might read this and it's like i'm bored i i listen to this and it's just amazing i have you you listened to this one i'm gonna listen to uh um the man with the golden gun read by kenneth branagh that's gonna be the show who does uh live and let die I can find out. Because uh, that is probably the most racist of the whole lot. And I'm curious to that, see who they would get. Like, Oprah would be a good choice for that. What's fun <laughs> is listening to uh, to the parts where they talk about, you know, about women. And y- y- the problem is you can't, you can't be in a car with a woman driver because they, they chat and they don't watch the road. And they're, they're, you're going to get in an accident. You're taking your wife in your hands. And then he's talking about... Um, Domino, he says, but this one, she drove like a man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're so awful, but I just, I love them for some reason. Because they're just, they're anti, they're like. In their time. Yeah, they're very much relics of their age. uh, Yeah. But still stupid fun. I refuse to judge anything by the time it was in. It's like, if they had been woke, they would be woke. Yeah. You know, it's, it's silly to think that, you know, they wouldn't be. Yeah. But, um, th- yeah, it's not the point, I guess. Okay. I, You're saying that James Bond has misogyny in it? <laughs> it what? What, you weren't aware and of this? And racism. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you said Live and Let Die? Yeah. Uh, that is narrated by Rory Kinnear, who yeah, okay. is in the newer Bond films. Interesting. Um, Moonraker is narrated by Bill Nighy. That's good. Bill Nye, the actor guy. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Uh, Damian Lewis, the man who can't completely open his mouth, reads Diamonds Are Forever. (laughs) Ooh, David Tennant reads On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, that's what I'm talking about right there. I wonder if he... (laughs) Bond. James Bond. I doubt it. I doubt he would do that, but... Yeah. But he does put on a really good posh English accent, so that might lend it. Yeah. Bond went on watching her. Now, in the silence and emptiness, with an ounce more tension, he was waiting for her to do something. For something he didn't know what to happen. It would be more true to say that he was watching over her. He had an instinct that she was in some sort of danger. Or was it just that there was the smell of danger in the air? He didn't know. 
He only knew that he mustn't leave her alone, particularly now that everyone else had gone. James Bond was mistaken. Not everyone else had gone. Uh, Tom Hiddleston and Lucy Fleming read a bunch of the short stories. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Rosamund Pike, who was in Die Another Day. Ugh. One of the worst Bond films That's of all time. That's probably the worst the Bond movie. The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I, I, I would definitely be with you on that. <laughs> I mean, the it's even... I don't yeah. recognize, but I'm sure they're very big deals. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Okay. Yeah. In, like, England. <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, enjoy, because there's... We're both stupid, yeah. yeah. But there's only, like, 12 <laughs> novels, so, yeah, that would be... Uh, it wouldn't take you very long to get through that, so... Yeah, but then, I, you know, you don't have to hire too many big-name actors to yeah, do it. that's and true. It is, it is, like, a special little collection. They're about... You know, the longest one is maybe four and a half hours... And and he is, I for, I forget what great economy Ian Fleming had. He gets to the point. It's it's you know it's really well done. Yeah, I, no, they're they're fun and they're they're good beach reads. So yeah, yeah, good good on you. Okay, that's what I got. Sweet. All right, I want to hear what Brian watched this week. Sure, I got two movies. All right, um, prepping for uh, coming right up here. Uh, went ahead and watched uh, John Wick Chapter 2 this Woo! week. World building. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, much better than John Wick 1, in my wow, opinion. Wow, really? I'm yeah. completely the other way. I love the first one. The second one, I'm like, uh-huh. Well, I like uh, I like the second one on the third act, because it's basically when they put the bounty on John Wick's head, and then there's that whole 10-minute montage of him just laying waste to every assassin that tries to kill him. It's so over-the-top stupid. It makes me laugh. And, yeah, and the bulletproof clothing yeah. is oh, not yeah, even that's, possible. That's a bit- yeah. much at one uh, point he holds like he's running away from somebody and he like holds his jacket uh, yes you know like as a cape yeah. and i'm like yeah. yeah a bullet goes very very fast it would against it would bend. the muzzle of a bullet yeah, yeah. pistol yeah <laughs> but like, no but i like the fact that he actually killed a dude with a pencil in this one so didn't he yeah. do that in they, the last one too though no they he's talk about it a guy with a pencil they talk about it but they don't show oh. it until the second one so Okay, so are you yeah. are you so, prepped for the third one now? I'm I'm a, yeah I'm prepped. I okay. mean, the second one has better cinematography and lighting in general. Well, bigger budget. Um, yeah. And they, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just also I think maybe I just went in with different expectations because I kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah. This time, you know, okay. Um, the the opening of John Wick two though the the scene where they fight where he's getting his car. Yeah. That is some hardcore practical stunt <laughs> yeah, action. Like yeah. they hit a dude with a car and he goes flying yeah. into a big steel pole and then hits the ground and you know that they figured out a way to make that gag look realistic. Yeah. It was I, I dare say it's it nasty. I dare say it's the best car foo that you will ever see. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Some I, choice I, car foo. And I am down for almost any movie that has the blonde from Fargo in it, save the one we will discuss today. <laughs> indeed yes <laughs> so um john wick 2 yeah it's john wick it's good uh you can watch it yeah and then uh of course <laughs> you can watch it yeah. <laughs> i believe that's how movies work yeah, yeah. you have permission yeah. yes yeah make sure the sound um, is on yeah yeah and turn on the tv for christ's sake yeah <laughs> And then uh, I also went and saw Detective Pikachu in the theaters. Did you get the uh, the trading cards? There's some theaters doing the promotion yes, for that. Yeah, okay. yeah, they handed out trading cards. Okay. Is um, it noir? Is it a noir Detective Pikachu? No, no fuck I, no. I'm trying to say that in the marketing, but no, of course it's not. Here's what I want to know, because uh, one of the people I work with is a millennial, grew up on Pokemon, so he went and saw yeah. it. And I asked him, how does it rate next to Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Because that's what it reminds me of. Uh, and he mm-hmm. said that it's a, a pretty much a different movie. But I don't know if I trust that. Um, it, I mean, Roger Rabbit is a way more well thought out and paced movie. Okay. Um, but what Roger Rabbit, it, what Roger Rabbit shares with it is 
you know, people of a certain age looking at looking at all of the stuff on the screen and going, oh, I see that as a reference, you know, and I see that character from my childhood and yeah. I see that. Like, if you're into Pokemon, especially like the first two generations, if you were like a Pokemon Go person, yeah, that that's the experience that people are going to this movie for, and it doesn't disappoint on that level okay. at all. Okay. Did um, you like it? Lots of Pokemon. Oh you know what? God. I laughed. I laughed at a bunch of stuff, okay. so I can't say I didn't like it. Okay. Oh, I wouldn't call it a good movie. <laughs> my head. Oh, my head. Bill oh. Nye, the actor guy, is in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, st- I'm stuck back on the idea of it being a, uh, um, a Brit Noir detective yeah. story. And, and, it really isn't. And Pikachu <laughs> was doing lines from Get Carter. Oh, she was outraged. In a thin glass. <laughs> She was only 16 years old. <laughs> I remember your eyes like two piss holes in the snow. <laughs> you know, that's actually kind of closer to Pikachu in this movie than you'd think. But... <laughs> oh, God. Well, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, so when I watched the trailer for this movie, I couldn't get past Deadpool's voice coming out of Pikachu. Yeah, Ryan but, Reynolds just needs to change his name to Deadpool. I mean, that's yeah. all he's going to be <laughs> yeah, now. Really, because really. everything before was shit, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in the movie, honestly, um, I didn't have that problem watching the movie. So I don't know why the trailer doesn't work and the movie does to make me think of the character as something other than Ryan Reynolds. The the general rendering and animation of Pikachu is amazing. They they really sell him as a believable character in the world. He's recognizably Pikachu. He's cute. He does you know he does all kinds of stuff. It it I mean as movies based on video games go, it's top tier. How about that? Um, I yeah, I heard it. Yeah, it actually yeah it it gives it a run for the money. Because a lot of articles still bring up Super Mario Brothers as sort of the the basement of video game movies. Yeah, uh, but if you Stop actually because it's a video game based on something else, it's not like it started as a video game. Well, but I think the Super Mario Brothers, and we touched on this in our video game movie show, was that it it was such a chaotic production to begin with, and the makers didn't really appreciate the source material. And I think that's the the main thing you need for that kind of movie. And it seems like the mm. people that do detective pikachu sort of understand that so maybe yeah they were smart to do detective pikachu because they sidestep a lot of things about the video game lore that i think would have made the movie less i don't know like there weren't very many if any pokemon battles which i think is maybe the one disappointment that the pokemon fans are going to have with it um but by setting it in the city that was deliberately supposed to be hey you know, the Pokemon are not supposed to be our slaves. They're supposed to coexist with humans and, and, and live in harmony. Um, they sort of take away a lot of the mythos of Pokemon and everything being about capturing them and training them and battling with them. That sounds and very... And make it about this world. Very alien nation is how you're making that sound. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it, so what the fuck have I... <laughs> yeah. Okay. It it's not as it's not as great as I thought it was going to be, but uh, it's a it's a decent summer popcorn flick. It, I think kids, especially like you know between like eight and eleven, are going to love this thing. Okay, um, and I feel their parents like I'm will have be to entertained watch it so that I can Why? make sense of Deadpool three because you know that it's going to be all <laughs> over that. Well, I'm just amazed that Brian Maybe. made fun of me for watching World's Strongest Man, and then he pulls out Detective Pikachu <laughs> as his choice. So, yeah. Uh, I will watch Detective Pikachu again before I go anywhere near World's Strongest Man. If there's okay. one thing we don't have a shortage of here, it's chutzpah. Yeah. And stupidity. And that's the fresh shit. Yay! All right. So this week's topic, uh, starting a new, hopefully a new theme that, that we'll do shows around, uh, which is who wore it better? Right? Yeah. Uh, yes. This is going to be about... Um, well, at least at first movies, uh, maybe there's other ones that we can use this concept for, but um, every now and then you get these pairs of movies that are basically the same that show up at the same time. Pairs and of movies that are similar, you say? Yes. This is groundbreaking. Wait, uh, Hollywood is, I thought Hollywood was original. Uh, I like that the, uh-huh. uh, the, the poster child for this sort of thing, which we're not doing today, is the year that Volcano and Dante's Peak came out. 
so that's sort of that's sort of the yeah, jumping off point. And, try and pick a movie that's better in those two <laughs> shit storms. So we're gonna. Yeah, someday we're gonna. Someday. I, mean, I love disaster films, and I look at both of those as just abortions. Yeah. So it, it's sort of the flavor. So this is definitely a challenge. They're telling me is I should have picked those two. <laughs> Um, no, no, and him. not not like good abortions where you get your life back. Oh, I mean, like nope, nope. the bad way. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Uh, so what what is our choice today, Brian? So today uh, we're going to talk about asteroids versus um, comets uh, hitting the Earth. Uh, this will be Deep Impact dun, dun. versus. Armageddon. Armageddon. Two it. movies that I believe came out the same year. Yes, did they not? <laughs> um, yeah, they did. more or less have the same plot. Oh, they, and yet are totally different. It's frightening how similar they are story-wise, isn't it? I mean, it's almost like the the story beats are exactly the same. It's freaky. So let's start with that. Where what are the what are the things that line up in these movies? Both uh, have uh, a, a an extinction level event as Deep Impact calls it. An Ellie. Uh, and both are concentrating on saving themselves through technology. Yeah. Um, sending up a shuttle. By sending a ragtag group of astronauts to the moon or the thing, whatever, to to deal with it. To blow yeah. it up. And both kind of work and both kind of don't. Both of them have all-star casts, yeah. right, as disaster yeah. movies do. One of them is uh, directed by, you know, one of the directors on ER, so there's a bunch of ER faces in it. And is that where Mimi Later came is, from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One, like, Deep Impact diverges, though, because that is sort of your traditional disaster movie, like an Irwin Allen type thing. Uh, yeah. Whereas Armageddon is just full-blown stupid. Uh, it yeah. doesn't give a shit about anything <laughs> other than just, hey, this is what it is because it's Michael Bay. Uh, That's why I wasn't quite like on. I'm not quite on on par with the the idea that they have the same story arcs because one concentrates on the people because we're fucked yeah, and yeah. that's that's that that's a disaster movie thing and that's uh, deep impact. The right the right Armageddon basically says anything that happens we can overcome it. And it's like, mm, that's that's very hopeful, but it's also horseshit. Yeah. But that's the point of the movie is we're going to we're going to use technology to get past this. That's in the first one, but it's in the first one in a way that almost says, you know, it's it's not going to work. It's like background noise. Yeah, almost. Well, when they came out, so 1998, uh, Deep Impact came out in May of that year. And then Armageddon came out, I think, in July of that year. Armageddon uh, was the second top earner behind Saving Private Ryan. So people flock to that one more. And because it's just a dumb popcorny entertainment thing, I think Deep Impact tries to get a little bit more uh, dramatic. Deep, as it were? Yeah. Character-driven. But even that one was in the top 10. And it's just weird to me that two movies that are about essentially the same thing uh, can come out almost on top of each other and still make almost... Uh, you know, $300 million collectively. It's just weird. Well, I mean, let's not forget that we're in the shadow of Independence Day here. We're a few years after Independence Day. Yeah. And both of these movies have a scene where some space debris comes in and fuck shit up on planet Earth. And <laughs> I think true. that's what people came to see. It's so gratuitous as well. And the one in Armageddon, because it's Michael Bay, because it's just a bunch of little meteorites that are hitting New York or wherever. And just shit blowing up everywhere. And it goes on for like 20 minutes. That's what it felt yeah. like. It's like, just stop. Just stop. No. No. That's what, <laughs> what we're there for is what the death right. I guess. Yeah. I guess. You know, I, I was watching that scene this week, though, and I could not distinguish it from any Transformers movie. Well, that's like, the thing. That, that scene looks exactly like a Transformers movie, just minus yeah. the CG Transformers yeah. in the shots. Well, I would just like to go on record and... Uh, thank you, Brian, for selecting this as the topic because I managed to go almost 21 years without ever seeing Armageddon. Because I'm a genius. <laughs> and now that I've seen it, uh, I hate you. And I think this is my karmic comeuppance <laughs> for all the shit that I've made you watch over the course of this podcast, really. So, yeah. Don't close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. You're going to miss something. Yeah. Yeah. I watched uh, Bad Boys in the Dollar Theaters, Michael Bay's first one, and then 
it was you know whatever and then i saw the rock because it had sean connery and nick cage as a team up and i literally came out of the rock angry at everything that I had just seen. <laughs> and from that point I on... I haven't seen either of those. <laughs> well, I swore off Michael Bay after that. <laughs> and how dare you make me watch this piece of shit. <laughs> so, oh, so. God, I wish we were... It's you. You're the rocket man. Oh, I mean, God, that, yes. that is so full of the best, worst Nick Cage-isms. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then watching Armageddon, too, my mind started to drift off. I'm like, well, what would be comparative to this... And then I started thinking, Con Air is a better movie than Armageddon. And it might be because of Nick Cage. I don't know. But it's like the same flavor. It was like that late 90s just bullshit where MTV had just sort of become <laughs> infectious and took over everything Hollywood did. And just, it was, it's miserable. I'm just miserable watching it. And I still maintain that Nick Cage is a great actor and he gets bored. And so he does things like glass or plastic, glass or plastic, because he knows that he's yeah. in a, a shitball, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. If you don't have Nick Cage and Armageddon, you're stuck with Ben Affleck, who's just grateful to have a job. Yeah. Well, it was an early role for him. Well, let's talk about the cast on Armageddon first. Uh, yeah, sure. Because it's mm-hmm. it's tailor made for blockbustericity. You yeah. know what I mean? It's got it's, Bruce it's Willis, Bruce the Willis. laziest actor in the world. Yeah, at this who point. basically does the same three looks. Yeah. And goes, ah. Mm, eh. And then it's got Ben Affleck uh, in an mm-hmm. early role. It's got Owen Wilson in an early role. Uh, Steve right. Buscemi in a not-so-early role, but pretty much playing the same characters that he tends to get cast as. Right. Uh, Liv Ullman. Liv, Liv Tyler. Ullman. It's Tyler. Liv, Liv Tyler? Oh, oh yeah. I'm thinking of uh, You're thinking the, the of, actual actress. Yeah, the actual okay, actress. Sorry. Not the daughter of Steven Tyler. And I will yeah. admit that uh, I was kind of counting the clock as to when she was going to start blubbery crying, because that's her <laughs> shtick. And I'm just... In, I'm irritated that it didn't happen until oh the very God, end. You're right. <laughs> so, you're so right. She, yeah. she does like the her. She she doesn't actually cry. Just her tears well up and yeah. her lips get like even poutier. Yeah. And then she gets yeah. all like snot nosed. It's it's a yeah. it's a feat and it's her it's her signature. Uh, but it doesn't happen till the end. And then I think Michael Clark Duncan is in it. Rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, let's see who else. Will Patton. The only interesting part of the whole thing. Him and, uh, oh, Jason Isaacs is the scientist. <laughs> yeah. Jason so, Isaacs is in this. So it's got a shit ton of people. Oh, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, is it, uh, Brian Keith, David Keith, uh, the guy from They Live and the thing. Keith he, David. Keith David. Keith David. I always fuck his name up. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, so he's in it as the irascible general who has to report to the non-existent president. Uh, yeah. And so the the plot of this thing just irritates me because it's basically this extinction level thing is coming in like 18 days. They decide that the only way they can defeat it is to to get the best oil drilling team in the world yeah. and what train the them train them in 12 days at NASA, then shoot them up into space so that they can dig a hole on this meteor the size of Texas and put some nukes in, and then that way the two pieces will basically fly around Earth. That's the master plan. And when I was reading up on it... Because Earth doesn't have gravity. (laughs) And when I read up on it, uh, I read that Ben Affleck actually asked Michael Bay, he's like, so why do we have to get oil drillers to go into space? Why couldn't NASA just train astronauts to drill a hole? And Michael Bay just looked at him and said, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And then like... (laughs) So that's... I have to put up with enough of this shit when this comes out. Don't don't give me reality now. Yeah. So it's just... It's ludicrous from the get-go. Co-written by J.J. Abrams, by the way. Is that you gotta have the the oil drillers. There has to be like a, a, a dad who doesn't want Ben Affleck dating his daughter subplot. That's important. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. such a such a sexist sexist movie, uh, because the what? other woman Michael Bay films are sexist. <laughs> yeah, because the other woman cast in it is the uh, the female astronaut, and she's basically just the ballbuster uh, taskmaster on the mission. It's just like that. So basically, they're either like the trophy or the ballbuster. It's just like, come on, man, I fucking hate yeah. this guy. And the blonde from Fargo. Yeah, yeah. So. I've got the Wikipedia page up so we can actually put names to names. Okay. Um, 
Let's see. Did uh, Peter Stormari is oh, that's right. blonde from Fargo. That's right. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Will Patton. Will Patton is like in everything, but nobody knows his name. Yeah. He's Chick. He's got that name, Chick. I'm Chick. The, the, the fatherly, n- knowledgeable guy who, who keeps, that, uh, keeps that hairy in check. Yeah. Because you know, he's still, I remember him being a wild one or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Keith David. Jessica Steen. I don't know who Jessica Steen is, but well. that's the name of the bull bust hair. <laughs> so, yeah, so the whole thing is just... I don't know. Had, had, did you guys see it in the theater? Does the bulbaster bust the balls of Ben Affleck? Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> indeed. <sorry. laughs> yeah. So, did you guys uh, see this she's thing? Canadian. That's why. But did you see it in the theater, or did you wait? Yes, I did. Oh, I did not see it in the theater. Okay. Damn I, it! I, I I I think I had all I needed from the preview with um uh, 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 oh, oh god damn it Eddie. Eddie Griffith in his bike messenger costume going, whoa, damn, the city's falling apart. I'm like, okay, I know what this movie is. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, I think in retrospect, Roland Emmerich probably would have made a better movie. That's just oh, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Roland okay. Emmerich's a genius. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this movie was showing, I was living in Castro Valley at the time. It was showing in in the, the theater that we had on the main street there that was just a one screen, you know, theater. Um, nice big theater and it was walking distance from my house. So I got myself all sorts of fucked up to go see this movie <laughs> as one and does. my buzz did not last anywhere near the runtime of Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon so second killed your movie, buzz. I had to watch. Yeah. Was a hangover, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Sucked. Armageddon killed your buzz. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, well, all I know is that uh, I don't like Michael J's filmic styling at all. And so uh, one of my early notes was just why so many close-ups. That seems to be his only editing style is like three-second well, clips and then close-ups. That's why he has, I think, such a jackhammer lightning editing speed is because he doesn't get... Um he doesn't get coverage. Yeah. It's all, it's all close-ups, and so you have to go whap, whap, whap. I'm over yeah, here, I'm over here, I'm so, over here, I'm over here. It's so agitating. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think, was it Bad Boys or Bad Boys 2? They had to go in and re-edit it because uh, test audiences were getting nauseous from all the cutting. I heard that maybe Bad Boys 2, I think is where <laughs> I read that. But yeah. Yeah. But this thing, watching it now, it's indistinguishable from any other Michael Bay movie that I've had the displeasure of seeing clips from. Uh, it does have it does have that signature Michael Bay element of sucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even when it makes like two hundred million dollars, it's still yeah. awful. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure That's why people you realize that capitalism will kill art. When, yeah. when you've got business people going, but it made money, fool. Yeah. Get out of my way. That's fuck every you. Michael Bay movie though, right? Like yeah. they make a ton of money and nobody likes them. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Except for the one with uh, 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 Ewan McGregor, the one where they were clones. That one, oh, the did island no tanked. Oh, yeah. the island. Yeah. Well, the thing that Armageddon has going for it as well is that it's it was selected for the Criterion Collection. Yeah. And there's a weird. lot of controversy over that. <laughs> but here's the deal. Apparently, Michael Bay just gave a shit ton of money to Criterion for film preservation. So that's sort of like the bone they throw. It's got nothing to do with it being a good movie at all. At all, well, Criterion just, also makes the point: Hey, look, we're we're here to talk about the history of cinema, and yeah. it's not like this kind of movie doesn't exist. People, we have <laughs> that's to, true. We have to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but on the on the opposite end of the coin, we've got Deep Impact, which is a way more traditional movie uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, no less. Uh, and he was at one point going to direct this thing, but I think ended up doing. Amistad and so couldn't mm-hmm. so he just produced it and then all enough it came out the same year as Saving Private Ryan so he kind of dodged a bullet I think on that one <laughs> thankfully based yeah. on the opening of Saving Private Ryan he may have dodged several bullets yeah, yeah. oh yeah. that I I am I, I I know I'm in the minority on this but I I don't think much of of Steven Spielberg I think he's cliche I I, I think Saving Private Ryan was not 
you know, even close to the best film that year, and that he probably should have done uh, Deep Impact because it's right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I think well, he's cliche because he basically wrote the book on modern cinematic language, though. Like he, it's he's cliche because everyone's been aping his his stuff. No, it's a subject matter. This is something I need to do because this is important, or and this is well, something I need okay, to do because yeah. this is what the he's kids like. And he's yeah. a boomer in that yes. sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you look at but the the way Deep Impact is boomers. is stru- <laughs> structured, <laughs> uh, it it felt very close encounters, but instead of uh, aliens coming, it's the meteorite. I mean, it sort of has that same like fragmented people coming together, and then they got a mission to do because it's the uh, the reporter played by Tia Leone who discovers Tia, what happened to Tia Leone. Where is she now? I have She's no idea. Show. Okay. She's uh, Madam Secretary. Oh, that's right. I, I'm watching this movie. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, Tia yeah. Leone is incredible looking. Where did she go? Yeah. yeah. No, she's still out there. She married David Duchovny. That's what Yeah, I think he her. sucked the life force out of her. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you've got her story, and then Morgan Freeman is the president. And this is 10 years before Obama, so at the time, a black president was just ridiculous to comprehend. President Easy Reader. His name is President Easy Reader. <laughs> yeah. It shows exactly how racist this country is. Yeah. That in a movie, you have a black president, you don't say anything about it, and yeah. people go, what? Yeah. It's- well, it's, well, it's Morgan Freeman. I mean, the man has played God. Now he's played the president. I mean, you know. And he narrates all your documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they've got the thing where she busts the story, and then he has to tell the world about the meteor event before uh he wanted to and then their whole right, deal is a whole like confusion thing because she gets you know ELE right yeah. and and so she thinks it's an affair and they're covering up this this sex scandal and it's like no ELE stands for extinction level event yeah and the guy yeah. that buses uh, the secretary of state played by James Cromwell and he basically yep. gets fired from the cabinet and his idea is to get a yacht and stock it full of uh like food and then go sailing like but he has no comprehension that if the meteor hits that they're gonna have thousand foot wave tsunamis and stuff it's like the boat is the last place you want to be it's like come on i know this is i know this is movie logic but the the truth is if you're on the ocean when a tsunami hits you don't feel it because the wave is actually running under the waterline well uh i've seen the perfect storm sir and i would beg to differ well because there's a storm oh, that's okay. going on above the water. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and it's perfect. It's the perfect storm. It's uh, like actually, there was a whole tribe of uh, of indigenous people when the Thailand uh, tidal wave hit. For whatever reason, in their lore, they have they know that when when the ocean does what it did, you go out into the middle of the water. They were like out of their village and on the water like a mile away when the tidal wave hit because they knew it was coming yeah. and they knew that it was safer in the water. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm big on disaster. So yeah. James Cromwell is smarter than Chris. <laughs> is what today. Well, well, he owned well, Babe. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think Chris has a point, you know, because... But but yeah, you know, what what are you gonna do? You just find out the world's gonna end, and you gotta save your ass. So. Well, I guess it's better than the end when it's Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski and the baby, and they're dirt biking up the Appalachians to try to get as high as possible to beat the wave. Oh, <laughs> I forgot all about uh, all yeah. about her. Though the, the actress I never like and love mispronouncing her name, yeah. Lily Sorboyaseski. Sorborskis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's like the whole I, I climax. That was a fun, yeah. I thought that was a fun uh, bit of plot, though, right? Like the whole deal is okay. Well, uh, lots of people are going to die, so we're going to protect the young people because they have to reproduce, and the rest of us just, you know, are yeah. dead. Here's our big plan. Uh, we're gonna. What, I think there was a whole theme in that, though. Of you know, this is what parents do. You know, yeah. of parents looking out for kids. At, yeah, like, but this is not ages. what boomers do. There's no way if this actually happened, the boomers would be like, yeah, we'll let all the young people live. Yeah, nah. Yeah. They'd be no, like, oh, like, like, and that's what I like about the movie. They're trying to educate the boomers. Don't be such a selfish dick. Yeah, think about your kids, <laughs> and, you fucker. And that's why it did no business. And Armageddon was the more popular. No. Well, you yeah. know, Deep Impact's still the eighth most popular movie of the year. So there might be some credence. 
to the whole I thing. I liked Deep Impact. This is this is the one I did see in the theater. Okay. I did like it. I liked it because it was more character driven. Yeah. Uh, it had better actors. Oh, last week's Maximilian Shell yeah, yes. is in this yep, one from the Black yep. Hole. Uh, yeah, I like that they Wood Smith shows up. Yeah. Well, I like the end as well when the first bit of the meteor hits, because basically they managed to bust it in two, and then half of it actually hits, so it's sort of a cheat. So you don't get the full extinction-level event, but you get a little bit of the disaster porn. Wouldn't uh, it be great if they'd have left in the scene of... Uh, um, 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 Oh, God, you just said his name. Uh, Zephram Cochran. Uh, of Zephram Cochran out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, going, you know, like drinking a beer, like, woohoo, got away from, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, and shit. His boat yeah. specifically gets hit by yeah. a fragment. And- well, it's Tia Leone and Maximilian Schell as a father daughter, and they reconcile their relationship. Uh, minutes before the tsunami just wipes them the fuck out. It's like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's your disaster movie, right? Yeah, yeah. so certain and, people are going to die. And it uses the whole thing as a metaphor. You're all going to die yeah. eventually. Well, that you was, might yeah. want to sew up your shit. That was you my takeaway. to talk to the people you need to talk to. Well, yeah. Or was the takeaway, it doesn't really matter if you reconcile or not, you're going to fucking die. So who cares? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. well, you don't reconcile so that you can then do something with it you reconcile so you can feel better it's like the the whole i hate to get all philosophical now but you got me on a rant the whole idea of uh, forgive and forget isn't you know so that the person you're forgiving and forgetting gets off it so you can move on yeah i think all of these people were fucked up by their past and managed to finally get some solace well, which leads to the three I'm seconds sorry. they had left to live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. I'm a sucker for this movie. Like I said, it's a yeah. metaphor. Well, I liked it. No, the, uh, I liked it a lot better than Armageddon. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. But I, then it was, there's the, it was the grown up, and I think that's why it didn't do as well. Well, it then there's the, the film, the third plot thread with the whole space shuttle mission led by Robert Duvall. Right. And the I liked that. What was the ship called? The Messiah. Uh, yeah it's like come on like really on well, the nose like it, that yeah well i read that when they when they did that i think this is an actual early nasa thing like an apollo mission or something but they had some space station deal whatever it was but it was just the way it was constructed every time an astronaut walked in uh because of the size they would just go jesus christ uh so they just <laughs> took that calling it the messiah and that's what they borrowed <laughs> okay that's good then <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know if it's true subplot there where uh robert duvall wasn't in charge of the mission he was the actual from you know he was the og astronaut with all these yeah. kids and so there's this whole ageism thing going on that i yeah. was actually very interesting and then the it was a driver from er was in charge of the mission but he got blinded Rob Eldard, who uh, would, you would later see would, in Super 8 as the dad. The, the guy who was supposed to go on to be the biggest deal in the world and yeah. somehow did not. And then uh, was John Favreau was the other astronaut, astronaut right? Yes. John, okay. Yeah. Yep. So then you, you've got their mission. And I would, when I'm watching, I was thought, man, like, could you do a supercut of Deep Impact and Armageddon? And like, just treat the <laughs> the two space missions as the same one, and just like play with it. Like, could film schools do that as an editing exercise? Someone on YouTube, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, if you're listening, uh, make it happen. Toot sweet. Get to work. What the fuck? How has this not already happened? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't we know. not just edited the whole movie? Yeah, as yeah. one big big thing. <laughs> um, the effects in Deep Impact do not hold up as no. well as the effects in Armageddon. So they basically look like Sharknado level effects nowadays. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and the shot where made... the wave is taking out like the Brooklyn Bridge and it's just, yeah, it's. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's just. We'll say that. Well, and that's too. You sit through the entire movie of Deep Impact before you get any of the full on destruction. Uh, and yeah, I, it's a disaster movie. Yeah. That's how they're supposed to play out, right? It's like. You see the trailer, the trailer's got that shot in it, and you're like, oh, I want to see that. And then they make you sit through two hours of people's feelings before yeah. that happens. Well, and well, let, it, <laughs> well, let me yeah. bounce this off you, because this only just occurred to me. Maybe they were planning on themselves making something on par with Armageddon, and they, they, you know, Armageddon beat them to the punch, getting the A-team 
of uh, uh, ILM. And Maybe. so they were just going to get the ILM B team. And so they said, okay, shit, go back and retool the script. Let's make it look like we're doing this on purpose. So that when people say, boy, the effects are crap, we can go grow up, you piece of shit. This is about grownups and junk. And then yeah. they made. Well, I like, <laughs> I mean, at movie. the time, the effects were, were, were noteworthy. It's just that they yeah. didn't age well uh, at all. Well, I liked it yeah. in, uh, in Deep Impact to Morgan Freeman as the president, his whole function uh, turns into basically Basil Exposition. I mean, it's just he's narrating <laughs> the events as they're unfolding, and that's it. And then at one point when he's giving his big speech to tell everybody uh, we're all fucked, uh, he's saying we will survive. And I think in the original script, he said we will f- find a way to survive or whatever the quote is. And he's like, if this is not Armageddon. And then when they realized that they were going up against the actual movie called Armageddon, they cut the line. They, they cut the line. <laughs> I think they yeah. should have left it. I think they should have left it. This is not Armageddon. Would have been, <laughs> should have been in the trailer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have. I personally would have loved if he said, "You know, I'm sorry, people of America, but I'll be fine. You're fucked." Yeah, because I'm uh, the president, I've got like a plane. I've got places to go. Yeah, sucks we, to be you. We've bye. got a we've got a whole cave full of beer, and eight hundred thousand people <laughs> are going to join us. F you. <laughs> that's pretty much in, it. Yeah. In 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 Zion where the party <laughs> Yeah, basically. Be, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you get all of the shit so, in, in Armageddon speaking of the effects because it comes off uh out of the gate by just destroying like just destroying a space shuttle on a mission. Like very yeah. it was very Superman two as the setup and then they just blew it up. It's like, oh fuck. And then it, so that's how you know you're in store for just we don't care what we're gonna do here. This is just all about blowing shit up. I mean that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's the mission statement. I I the thing my my biggest um complaint with Armageddon, and there's a lot of complaints, granted, but the one I think that's the worst is you're creating a disaster film, you're 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 putting up you, you, you you're making us invest in all this spectacle, but if it doesn't logically make sense, I'm not in it. Uh, one of the space shuttles crashing off course and then them sort of, I don't know, putting together one of the land craft and racing to the site so that they can get <laughs> rescued. Then, that and- fucks the whole thing up. I, I love I don't, I'm no longer on board. You have to have some of the science, right? Well, Otherwise, I love I'm just out. I love the fact that they actually evil can the fucking shuttlecraft. Yeah. Lander thing over a Canyon <laughs> through something. Yeah. I don't know what, <laughs> but they figured out that, Oh, gravity's lighter here. Oh, let's just put the yeah. rocket thrusters on and go for it. It's like, come yeah. on, man. At one point, I'm like, let me get this straight. The the gravity is light enough that you can jump something like that, but it's heavy enough that the craft itself can be glued to it and get traction to move forward. And then I said, oh my God, this film has legitimately made me stupider. Yeah. I am well, now thinking of dumb shit and I, I, I should be killed along with Michael Bay. Well, and I will add that that uh, is a script co-written by J.J. Abrams, one of his earliest uh jobs i guess uh but it's got overrated it's got super gems of dialogue like what are you doing in space with a gun uh makes sense but then my favorite was when they were talking about the secondary protocol when they were actually gonna blow the nuke even though they said don't do it and then there was like the whole ratchet up the tension blah 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 and uh, they managed to pull the override in space so that the people down in nasa couldn't do it and somebody literally said like what's going on and the guy said the override it's been overridden that's the line it's like come on man find a bobby pin (laughs) in space the override hour the override has been overridden (laughs) that's like in hurricane heist when the girl says do the hack (laughs) it's like come on man (laughs) so yeah uh, it's just (laughs) not a lot to be uh enjoyed with this thing i forgot that (laughs) do the hat so final thoughts anything else we need to say here uh armageddon sucked balls and and deep impact wasn't much better but i love it when a lot of people die i love it when a lot of people die well and uh um my my the the, the, what 2012 is still better see that that's true. Well, anything by Roland Emmerich in this genre is better. Yeah. Anything uh, non-period that's Roland Emmerich. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I will say that having watched Armageddon, uh, I am dumber for it. 
and that's probably its power. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I could not wait for it to be over, and then the fucking Aerosmith song played, and I just almost threw a shoe through my TV. So that's my thoughts on Armageddon. That about wraps it up for another scintillating, magnificently huge podcast. Uh, please rate the podcast on your apps if you if your app rates podcasts, and uh, share us on your social media feeds. And as always, you can find uh, links to our old episodes. You can go to maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Also find us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge. On Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Find us on Instagram as Magnificently Huge. And you can email us, MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. Join us again next week for even more of this. <laughs>